return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you today for your word. Amen. Say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. This is, uh, this, is, uh, this is an important message, all right? This is something you want to take notes on. This is something you want to pay attention to, to what the Scripture says. You know, in, in the past weeks, you know, we've had our dear brother Irv Kolbeck has passed into heaven, you know. It's like he was here every service, so, so we miss him. He was here every service. He was here early. I like that. Say early. <laughs> he was here early. So I, I love that, you know, to talk and visit and so forth. And then Raymond's dad went to be with Jesus. And Raymond, uh, where are you at? Uh, oh, they had the goal. Okay, so Raymond's dad went to be with Jesus. And his dad helped start three churches in Ghana. And that's a blessing. And Paul Tucker, of course, went to be with Jesus last Tuesday night. And uh, just boom, boom. I think he closed his eyes. And there he was with Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, so Second Peter 3. So so. You have a, a note thing, get a pen. If you need to go back and get a pen, go back and get a pen. Make some reference to notes, Second Peter 3, 8. Uh, don't be ignorant. It says, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. So he's talking uh, typology. He's trying to give us a perspective. Think how long is eternity? Because, because we're, we are confined in this place of time right now. We think of minutes and hours, and days, months, years, we're confined in time. Eternity is a place, it's God's time. So it's not the same as our time, all right? So he tried to give a little example here is by saying, a comparison, that, that one day eternally would be like a thousand years here on this life, okay? So just for understanding's sake, let's just do some simple math. thousand years, what's one-tenth of a thousand? It's 100, correct? 100 years, correct? Okay, we got math people here today, right? Yeah. Okay, what's one-tenth of 24 hours? It's 2.4. So we're just using decimals for simplicity's sake, all right? So think of 100 years. 100 years, uh, if you think of it uh, eternally, it'd be like 2.4 hours. Okay, some people have grandparents or some died years and years ago. But in the space of eternity, it's, just, it's very, very short. Let's make it simpler. Let's take 10 years, all right? Ten years when you think of our time, but what's eternal time? That's 0.24 hours. So it's a quarter of an hour. So ten years' time. So say someone passed away ten years ago, and they, they, they meet Jesus, and they're in his presence, and then like, like it'd be as if 15 minutes later, ten years later, like, oh, you're here already? Wow. You know, 
That heaven's time, eternal time, is different. How we understand that, how we think about it, all right? And, and uh, uh, so, so we have to understand eternal think, thinking spiritually, all right? Psalm 90, verse 4. It says, it says, a thousand years in your sight is, is but as yesterday when it's past. It's like a day. So a thousand years for us, for God is just like a day. You know, we think, and that's, and that's the thing about our lives a lot of times, we want God to hurry up and do things for us. And God isn't looking at our little minutes and hours and days. He's looking at what he's doing in us as far as his character, and he's looking at the long-term process. See, I wished a lot of things just to snap her finger and boom, it's just done, just like that. But it's not that way. It's through faith and patience they inherited the promises. So life is a process. You're walking through life, through this life to get to the next life. So eternally speaking, in the realm, we sometimes think, wow, this is taking a long time. Not really. Now when you think of the handiwork of God. And that he has eternal purposes, eternal plans, and so forth for us. Amen? Amen. Now, a lot of people can think, as I'm reading scriptures today, people can think, you know, I really don't believe the Bible. This doesn't pertain to me. Someone, You know, because they don't see it and so forth. Now, listen, I don't see gravity either. I don't see gravity either. But if I got up on the roof and I stepped off the roof, I tell you what, in a nanosecond, I believe in gravity. Because you're going down. Don't see it. Don't understand it. You might think, I don't think it exists. I tell you what, one nanosecond later, boom, they know it's true. There was a guy who went to commit suicide off the Golden Gate Bridge. Very few people jump from the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and live. But this particular man did. He came to Sioux Falls to speak. And his story was this, though. He said, as soon as his foot left the bridge, he knew he made a mistake. It was a nanosecond. As soon as his foot left the bridge, I made a mistake as he's coming to the water. And usually people, the water, the water just kills them. They splat because of the great fall. So whether or not a person believes in the Bible or not, it's still true. One, per, one second after death, everybody's a believer. One, a nanosecond after death, boom, you leave this life. Everybody, everybody's a believer. The exception is, though, if you believe in Jesus, you go to heaven. You don't believe in Jesus, you realize it's too late. I missed it. So whether or not, as we declare the word of God, I know God's big enough to stand behind his word. Someone can say, I don't believe that. Well, you will someday. Everybody will someday. Everybody someday is going to face their maker. And their maker is not Allah. Their maker is Jesus Christ. Everybody's going to face that. So Psalm 90 and verse 12 then, it says, teach us to number our days. So we have to apply wisdom then. We have to get a vision of the spiritual realm. We have to get a vision of the Word of God. We have to get a vision of what's happening around us, all right, so that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. In other words, we want to live our life with wisdom. You want to, you know, as, as uh, said years ago, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You don't accidentally end up in heaven. You plan to get there, Right? You plan to get there. You live this life so in trust in Jesus Christ. Not your works, but just faith in Jesus Christ. You're living this life preparing for the next life. So it's a prepared place. So teach us, knowing that, knowing that our days are numbered, teach us to live our days with this wisdom. 
All right, Matthew 25 is the story. It's a long number of scripture verses on the sheep and the goats. The sheep are the ones who did the word of God. The goats were the one that didn't, goats that did not the word of God. They heard, but they didn't do it, okay? And the king then, in Matthew 25, verse 40, shall say, uh, inasmuch as you've done it unto me, he's talking to the sheep, to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it, uh, then shall you also say to them as left hand, depart from you, cursed into everlasting fire, and prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, let me just stop there a second. Eternal fire, or judgment, was not ever prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? In, in the way in the beginning, it was the devil the one that rebelled. Lucifer, who was an archangel, gathered a third of an angels in rebellion, and so judgment came on him. And, he, and then hell, or everlasting fire, was prepared for them. Okay? But yet he is the deceiver in the world today, all right? So he's the father of lies. So he's deceiving people. So, so he's realized, he already knows his judgment. He knows what's written. The devil does. But if he can get as many people as he can to follow him, okay, they're going to choose. You, everybody chooses where they go. No one can come to say, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. No, no, everybody has a choice. The Bible even says, the heavens declare his glory. So if you look around, you think of all the things that people worship and so forth, and yet everything around us is declaring the glory of God. Somebody made this. Somebody made all this. Who is his name? Okay, so we should think a little bit bigger rather than just thinking it's, it's something that we see in the natural or something in the supernatural. So heaven, eternal fire, eternal fire was prepared. You should underline this in your Bible. This is important. All right, this is important. Because people say, well, why would God send someone to hell? He, why would he make hell for people? He didn't make hell for people, and people are going to go there. He's not sending them there. They're choosing to go there. Okay, you understand that? This is important. In this life, we make choices. You made a choice to get up this morning and be with us. God bless you. Some are watching through Facebook Live. God bless you. Sam, we're praying for your healing in the name of Jesus. To be healed and whole and strong in the name of Jesus. Well in the name of Jesus in your body. Hallelujah. So in this life we make choices. And then Jesus says in verse 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment. The righteous into eternal life. Now I skipped a couple verses. But let's just say this. There's two groups. One group is going. Everybody's going to live eternally. Everybody. Everybody will live eternally. Everybody will have Eternity to think about things, right? So one's going to everlasting punishment. The other's going to life eternal. So there's, there's two groups going in two polar opposite directions. Second Thessalonians in the New Testament. Second Thessalonians, verses 8 and following. There'll be a day where there's vengeance or judgment. On those that don't know God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's all sobering. That's all sobering to think about. When I see obituaries in the paper, and lately there's been a lot of them, you always have to think, where did those people end up? Because they're someplace. They are someplace. So, 
So there's those that notice that, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is pretty clear, isn't it? This isn't saying, it's not saying, well, they didn't believe in God. No, they're talking about obeying the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Jeannie and I travel, have been to many places in the world around people of other faiths. And this is, this is a distinguishment of what we believe. Understand the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Understand the fact that every other God that people worship is dead. Is dead. And it's, they can worship and they can do all kinds of things and so forth, but they're not, here. they're not alive anymore. They can't answer prayers like our God can. And so this is the fact we want to obey the gospel. We want to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews 9, so the scripture's here. Write down verses now. Write down verses. Hebrews 9, 26, 27. Christ uh, uh, would have suffered, would have had to suffer. If, if the blood of goats, if with blood of bulls and goats and so forth, that used to do it. But he appeared once at the end of the ages to do with sin by the sacrifice himself, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this. First of all, it says that Jesus appeared once. Notice it says at the end of the ages. You know, it's amazing how people can debate. Is it the last days? It must be the last days. Well, this says it's the last days when Jesus came. Book of Acts says he'll pour out his spirit in the last days. Folks, you have to always realize, turn to your neighbor and say, it's your last days. It's your last days. All right? You're not going to get two or three lives. Okay? There's only one dash usually on a cemetery marker. There is only one dash. It's one, your life. So it is the last days for us. So Jesus came, appeared uh, at the end of the ages, brought the sacrifice, did away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now, so we have this thing that Christ died for us. When I say us, I'm talking about the world, people, all the people in the world. Christ died for all the people in the world, all right? And so he did that, that he might redeem people to himself, that people might experience this relationship of forgiveness of sins that comes only through Jesus Christ. Why does it come only through Jesus? Because he's the only one who is a living sacrifice. He's the only one who lived a sinless life, died on the cross. Even the Roman centurion said, truly, this was the Son of God. Look at this. I mean, why? He'd seen thousands of crucifixions. And people that would be on crosses cursing and doing all kinds of things, saying all kinds of things when they're dying and so forth. And here's Jesus doing what? Father, forgive them. They know now what they do. Jesus is forgiving them. Jesus is blessing them. Isn't that right? So he sees the difference. And so Christ died and rose again from the grave. There's a distinguishment here. So, again, people worship a lot of things, but only one paid the price for us. Amen? It's not, like, it's not like we're saying, oh, we're so good that we get to go to heaven. No, no. None of us were good. We all needed Jesus. <laughs> and so that's the message that we still want to bring out to people. Why? Because people go to churches and they say, like funerals and so forth. Roger goes to funerals and so forth. But people will say, well, they're, in, they're a Christian because they were baptized as a baby. And many, many major denominations, this is their theology. So if you tell people from a young age, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. I grew up thinking, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Drinking booze, doing things the way, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. 
Then coming to a realization in college when people witnessed to me like, well, what have I believed? I've been sucking up a lie all my life that has no biblical basis. So if you believe what someone says in a clerical gown or whatever, you're, you can be very much in deception. That's why we tell you all the time, get in your Bible. Take notes. Read the Word of God. Because people tell people that you're okay or you'll be okay because you were baptized as a baby. And that's, that's a sad lie. Now, why is that a lie? Because you can't find that in the Bible. Okay? You never find the case in the Bible where a baby is baptized ever for repentance of sins. Why? Because a baby can't repent. You know, Johnny, can you repent today? Ah, well, my pants changed. Repent! My kid can't repent. He doesn't understand you. You follow what I'm saying? Baptism always followed conversion. But people then say they make statements and they make theology and, and doctrines that basically lead people on the wrong path. If you saw someone on the wrong path and, and you realize the house is burning, what would you do? You'd want to get them out, right? You'd want to help them. Years ago, I had a dream about a fire. And I was in the house and my dad and family siblings were in the house. And I thought, I got to get them out. I got to get them out. You're going to the room trying to get them out of the house. And I got them out of the house. Hallelujah. What are you going to do? See, lots of times we actually think, you know, I don't want to offend them. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to make them upset. Okay. You know they're going to a wrong place, but you're afraid of offending them? About where they're going? I've always realized this. If someone is a Christian... And I'm witnessing to them about Jesus. It'd be like this. Someone comes and witnesses to me about Jesus. I say, hallelujah. I'm a Christian too. But you always know a religious spirit when people, you're witnessing about Jesus. say, get away from me. I go to a church. Oh, you know right away they don't know Jesus. You know that very second they don't know Jesus. Because if you knew Christ as your Savior, you'd love him. You'd identify with him. So if people want to talk about their church, you know they're on the wrong path. I'm just saying that. Churches save nobody. This church saves nobody. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can save people. All right? This is important to understand, right? This isn't like, this isn't like well, this is what this church believes. No. No, we're talking about Bible here. That's why you want to be, be in it. Okay, Romans 5, 12 is a scripture that says, By one man sent into the world, and death passed, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So, in the natural, okay, we're physically, as we get older, these bodies wear out. This body is just a container, a temple of the Holy Ghost. It's just a container. And as we get older, for everybody, folks, it doesn't matter what anybody says, it's going to wear out. All right. That's why that's why knowing that you want to live your life for Christ now. OK, this is life is temporary. You know, I we once were in college <laughs> and, you know, back in college, you know, Jesus is coming soon, you know, and it was like, well, now it's a lot of years later. We're still living for the Lord, you know, get a little older, you know, or things I can't do physically. But what, what is it saying here is death passing all men. So there's a natural death, but there's a spiritual death. OK, there's two deaths. 
The natural death, which we all know about, but spiritual death is from sin, and that has been passed on all people. So in other words, you die once here, and then there's a spiritual death where there's a judgment, another death. Revelation 2, verse 11 says says that if if the spirit saying to the churches he that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death so there is a second death that people have to face all right revelation 20 verse 6 says that blessed and holy is, is he that has part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power now the first resurrection is is what we get through Jesus Christ if we're part of that then the second death has no power. Amen. All right? It says they're going to be priests of God and so forth and reign with the Lord. Hallelujah. Revelation 20. Revelation 20 says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Notice what it says. Now, books were open. Books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. So there's books written. There's a book that basically two books of life and death. Now, death has passed on all people, so that's a big book. All right, it's a big book. But when people give their lives to Jesus, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right? So, so people are judged out of the things written in those books, where, where they stand. All right? So the sea gave up the dead, the dead delivered up the dead, and so forth. They that judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the second death, this judgment. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we have to pass. We hit, we're born, and we face the, now we face the natural death, the second death, but now we have to be born again. Amen. Revelation 21, verse 8. The fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. All other part of the lake of fire, brimstone, which is the second death. So what we want to do is we want to be free. We want to be free from the second death. How do you get free from the second death? All right, so we're all born in this world, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because of Adam's sin. Now, how do we, how do we overcome the second death? The way to overcome the second death is to have a second birth. Okay, so you have to have a second birth a spiritual birth that overcomes the spiritual death. Now, when I grew up, I didn't hear any of this stuff. People, people never talked about this stuff, but it's in the Bible. You know, what are you going to do? Lots of, lots of people say, well, our church believes, and it's great, great to know what your church believes, but you, better yet to know what the Bible says, right? Better yet to know what the Bible says. We've had, through the years, probably thousands of people pass through this church who maybe got saved or spirit-filled or grown, and now they're populated all around the world and so forth like that. But good that they know about Jesus. Good that they heard the word of God. Good that they're discerning. They're not just going any place, but they're digging into the things of the gospel. So let's look at John chapter 3 for a moment. I'm trying to hurry along here. I know there's a lot of scriptures, but just, just try to follow me. So uh, uh, a leader of the Pharisees. So he's a religious man. He's well-schooled, well-educated, and so forth. His name is Nicodemus, leader of the Jews. So he comes to Jesus by night. We do not mind anybody of reputation wants to come secretly to meet with us to talk. Hey, great. We'll, we'll meet with people, however, on their terms to help them. All right. So he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher from God. Now, how does he know that? 
Of course, they understand the authority he's teaching, but also they see the things that he's doing. No man can do these miracles that you're doing except God is with him. So he's healing, delivering, setting people free. And Jesus said, verily I say, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is, this is the predicament. See, people are lost. I was lost, okay? So I was lost. I can't, I can't see. All I knew was religion. Now, the importance of witnessing is you're coming to declare the word of God, right? Amen? And the word is life and light. It brings light and so forth. So when people talk to me about Jesus, it was like, whoa. Oh, but it just hit me. Like, they talked about Jesus. They talked about being born again. And I thought they had to be from some other planet, you know, because, I mean, they... I, I didn't, I didn't like what they were saying. But, I, you know, they came back again and again. My door was the first, first door in the, on the dorm wing, you know, to come in. So, and in those days, people could go right to doors and witness and so forth in the dorms. And so they came back again and again talking to me about Jesus, about being born again. And so Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the king. So there's a second birth Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born? How can you have a second birth? You can't go back to your mother. You can't enter the womb the second time. So he's thinking in the natural. He's trying. Now, I love Jesus just, just relates to people. He says, now listen. So he's explaining it, you know, but he's not putting him down. He's trying to help him understand. So a man's got to be born again. So look, let's look at the next verses there. Verses 5 and so forth. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. So there's two births. One is the natural birth, when a person is born with water, all right? The second is the spiritual birth, that is born of the spirit. And you have to, of course, you have to be born, first of all, but you have to be born of the spirit if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. This does not say you have to be baptized. It does not say you have to be a member of a church. It doesn't say you have to live really good for 20 years. It doesn't say any of that just says you must be born again. If you're not born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Good to underline these things. Take some notes, right? You might find yourself sharing some of this. Jesus said, I don't want you to marvel. I don't want you to be amazed. But he said, you must, say must. You must be born again. So if we're going to avoid the second death, we must have a second birth. To avoid the second death. That we pass from death unto spiritual life. So if we're born twice, you're only going to die once, the natural death. If you're born just once and refuse all the other, then you're going to have a second death of judgment. People don't like to think about this, but, but you have to make a decision. Billy Graham named his magazine that he had for years. He called it Decision. Decision magazine. You have to make a choice. And when do we make a choice in this life? It's not in, not in the next life, but it's in this life. Luke 23, Jesus is hanging on the cross. There's two thieves, one on his right, one on his left. But as the thief said, one of them said, who became repentant in his heart, and he says, we're getting what we deserve. We're, we're getting our due reward for what we did. This man's done nothing. This man hasn't committed anything wrong. And he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into in your kingdom. And Jesus said, verily, today, I, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, this is this guy's prayer. What is, what is a prayer? You can say, all oh, people say, you've got to say a sinner's prayer, this or that. It's the attitude of your heart. People can parrot things, and then they say, oh, we had 50 people saved. Maybe. 
Billy Graham, by his own statistics, their own, their own statistics said 10% of the people that came forward, they would say, actually got saved. And how do they base that? They would try to look back five years later and see what was the effect of the crusade in that city? What's, what was the effect? Are, people, are more people in churches? Are more people growing, these people that signed their names? I know, I know people says, whosoever shall confess Jesus Christ. I know that, but it's got to be a confession from your heart. Isn't that right? You can't just parrot something. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, you're saved. Hey, I won the lottery. Wow, you know, and still live the same way. No, no. Your life changes. When you believe in Jesus, your life changes. Any man in Christ is a new creation. Old things pass away. Hallelujah. So there's a change. There's a transformation. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Paul was caught up to paradise, the Bible says. So, and heard unspeakable words is not lawful for me to utter. So Paul was called up, caught up to paradise. So, so, so he, it was so good, it's so good he couldn't, can't even comment about it. It's so, so wonderful. I think, oh, hallelujah. I mean, I know people have had glimpses of heaven, but it's a glimpse. It's, heaven's a wonderful place. I mean, I mean, when I die, I mean, if I die, I tell my wife, if I die or someone drop over, you can pray for me, pray that I raise up. But if I don't raise up right away, then have a celebration. You know what I mean? Why? Because I'm in a good place. I'm celebrating. Don't look at me like that's morbid. Yes, that's not morbid, folks. That's reality. It's reality of life. Okay, amen? You know, we've known people that have prayed for days for someone to be raised from the dead. Very sadly, they, they prayed for days, praying and praying, and the funeral's holding the body, and pretty soon, you know, it's like, they're not coming back. And if they, in the case they knew Jesus, which they did, it's like, why would you? Why would you want to? Most of the time, people come, come back only because they had a glimpse of eternity because God said, you're going back. No, I want to stay here. No, you're going back. Okay. But otherwise, it's not like your choice because our choice, I mean, the glory is glory. It, it's wonderful. Amen? Wonderful. And Paul and Irv and, and Raymond's dad, everyone sees eternity like, Wonderful, wonderful place. Luke 16, Luke 16 talks about the rich man, Lazarus. Let's quickly go through this. Of course, you know, the rich man had everything. Lazarus didn't have anything. Both died. Both are buried. In hell, verse 23, the rich man lifts up his eyes. Now he's in torment. He sees Abraham far off and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. So paradise itself isn't our last destination. It's a place. It's wonderful. We can call it heaven. But actually, it's a place where we go until there's a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So Lazarus, both die, but, and the rich man sees Abraham there. And he lifts up his eyes. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water, that he may cool my tongue, and I'm before him in this flame. Just think of that. We've heard that, you know, heaven and hell and so forth. Just dip the, just a touch of water. Wow. Kind of amazing. So the next verse is there, says this. And Abraham said, you, you, you had your choices in this life. That's basically what he's saying, all right? And, but look at verse 26. Now, this is important to understand this. And this, the reason is, is because people will teach that there's a purgatory and that there's a place where you go. And in the meantime, uh, it'll be determined which direction you go. All right, for eternity. So they call it purgatory. And you could place of abode there. The only problem is it doesn't exist. 
So what happens is someone dies and then people keep praying that they get out of that purgatory. How they ever know, we don't know. Maybe once they get a lot of money and so forth, the church does. And then all of a sudden, then they, they're out of purgatory. But purgatory doesn't exist. Now, how do we know that for sure? Well, it says there's a great gulf affixed so that they which pass from, from here to you cannot come here. Neither can they pass to us that would come from there. You, you can't. There's, there's a separation. It is in this life we make a choice to follow Jesus Christ. Isn't it this life? Now, I know there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of nice people. I'm not saying people are nice. I'm just saying, I'm not saying we're so great. We're not so great. We're just people that Jesus, we're thankful for his salvation. Amen. But this is what you want to pass on to people. It's like what you want to pass on to your mom and dad if they're alive. That's why before my parents died, I wanted to talk to them again and again. My brothers were lost. They didn't care. They didn't know anything. But I did. And there's accountability to talk. I talked to my mom. You know, she had a brain tumor and so forth. And she was, I still remember, she was, she was in a home in Sioux Falls. And she was putting like uh, little pegs in different holes and so forth. And they're trying to get her to understand things and get her to mind to work. And she was doing radiation on her brain and so forth and all that stuff. It was hard. It's hard as a son. But yet to look, mom, mom, you know, we've talked a lot about eternity. We've talked a lot about, yeah, yeah. You know, my mom didn't like me for years because just religious spirit. I say, mom, it's important that your trust is solely in Jesus Christ. Your church cannot save you. It is solely in Jesus Christ. And then she said, I believe that, Dave. I believe that. I believe that in Jesus. You know, wasn't long after that, she could no longer be conscious. My dad, the same way. For years, he, there was times he cussed at me and didn't like me, didn't like me as a son. Loved me as a son when I was an athlete, got a full-ride scholarship, although that's my son, da, 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 da. Now my son. Now his son gets saved. He's not going to the bars anymore, not running around anymore. They didn't like it. They actually cussed at me. Get out of town in the bars. Get out there with your friends. So I'm not going. Not going. Not going. Sat at home by myself. A lot of people thought, oh, he must be crazy. No, I finally, I'm finally thinking right. I got saved. Hallelujah. But before my dad died, I had many times to talk to him before he, before he passed away. You know, he's, he's in a wheelchair in a nursing home in Iowa. And I'm, uh, he can't see and he can't move well. And he's in his 80s and so forth. And I'd always bring him chocolate, chocolate bars. No peanuts, but just, just the chocolate. It was like his little, this last vice that he had in his life. Couldn't drink, couldn't smoke, couldn't do anything, quit cussing and all those things, you know, like that. But I'd bring him chocolate bars, big, the big ones, you know. He'd be like a little gold, open the drawer and he'd smile. He knew they were in there, you know, and then he could feel them in there. I said, don't eat them all at once. He'd always grin because I knew he would. I mean, he'd eat the, maybe not all at once, but he'd eat a whole bar at once, you know. It was kind of like, well, let him eat it, whatever, you know. But one last time again, I went when I was there and, talking to him about Jesus and saying, Dad, I know we've talked a lot. I know this thing's bothered you, so forth, about my life and so forth. But I said, I, I shared another testimony with him about an older man that, that I'd had his funeral. And, and uh, this man had been in World War II and so forth and how he just got saved in the Flandreau Hospital. 
And, and my dad, I said to him, Dad, would you want to really give your life to Jesus Christ? And he's in his wheelchair, and his head's kind of down. He said, yes. I thought, wow. <laughs> oh, Lord. I had his hand. I said, Dad, let's just pray. It was a life prayer. <laughs> Brought him life. He prayed. I said, do you feel that peace, Dad? And he said, yeah, I really do. I really do. You know, we're so concerned so many times about offending somebody. But I want to tell people the truth. Amen? I want to tell people the truth. And he lived another year or so after that. And then I was, I'd go to Iowa all the time frequently to honor your parents visiting and listening to them. And, and then we said our last goodbyes. He had tears. He knew he was going to die. I had tears. Gave him a hug. We said our goodbyes. I'll see. I said, I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you in heaven there. And, and how important that is. I'll give you another story. A lady came to the church here. She got saved. She had young kids, got saved. She's married. Lived in a trailer court over here on the west side of town. She said, can you come and pray for my husband? I said, absolutely. She said, he's got cancer. He's in hospice. He's not expected to live. And I said, can, and she, I said well, does he know Jesus? No, never gone to church. Doesn't want anything to do with that. And I said, okay. I said, well, then you have to tell him that I'm coming. And so I, I, we set up a time. I go to the, I knock on the door. She comes to the door. And then she says, just wait a minute. I'm in so it's a little home. And she goes into her husband. She says, said his name. And she said, I brought the pastor from my church to just talk and to visit with you. Can he, can he come in and visit with you? And he said, get that blankety-blank man out of here. And he said, I don't want to hear a blankety-blank thing about God. And this, this is very loud. I'm standing in the other room. She comes out. She had tears. She said, he doesn't want to see you. I said, okay, it's fine. You know, and I said, we'll just keep believing that something will happen. He died six, ten hours later or something like that. I go to the hospital. He called me. I go to the hospital. Family, other family, they're all in this room. He's, he's in the emergency room. He's dead. They're in this other room. And then some family member says, can't you do something? What are you going to do? I just said, it's too late. Three words. It's too late. And they were, some of them were upset. Just stood there. His wife was there. She wasn't one of those saying something that. But, you know, I just felt really bad. Ungodly family. Too late now. He's gone. In this life, we have choices. Once we're out of this life, it's over. We've made a choice. And it's set. Jesus said, John 3, verse 16. He said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. This verse is so common, so repeated. Many people can share it. But the key is that if you believe in Jesus, you're not going to die a second time. Now, Parrish, you're going to die one time. Everybody's going to die once, right? You all, we all clear on that? <laughs> I mean, unless somehow there's, some, uh, there's another, you know, uh, thing where he takes somebody, but that's pretty rare. Okay? So, so if you believe in Jesus, you're not going to perish or die a second time, but have everlasting life. And this is just huge. But you have to believe in Jesus. It isn't like God, so, God loves everybody, loves the world, he loves all the sin, he loves all the crap that's in the world. No, no, he doesn't love that. He doesn't love that. 
That's all mockery to him. That's the devil thumbing his nose at God. Look at I'm going to take them all to hell with me. He hates that. It's, it's grievous to the Lord. Because the scripture is just, just, script, just plain scripture is clear. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. If you believe not on the Son, on Jesus Christ, you'll not see life. In other words, you're not going to see the second life. You have this life, but you're not going to see the second life. There's going to be a second death, and there's going to be judgment. These are pretty basic scriptures. Can we all agree on that? Amen. If you have a Bible, mine's is red letters, but you should underline it. You should know this. This is important for everybody. So you want to believe on Jesus, have everlasting life. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to see life. The key is believing in Jesus. They might go to church X, Y, or Z. Okay. That doesn't matter. What matters is their belief in Jesus Christ as their Savior. In other words, I had sin that separated me from God. So I accept Him as my Savior. I believe that. It becomes personal. It's not just like I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe in Him like I believe in the President. Or I believe in somebody else. No, no, no. It's a belief in your heart. Knowing who he is, that's, it's, it's something that resonates in us. Let's look at uh, John 5, verse 24. When you hear Jesus' words, when you believe on Jesus, whom God has sent, then you have, if you believe, you have everlasting life. Not come into condemnation, but you should write this down. You're past, right now you pass from death unto life. It's the, it's the new birth and so by passing from the second death, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to die. It's not saying that. It's not going to pass. You're not going to die. No, no, no. You are going to die. But the second death is the thing we're thinking about. So you're passing from the second death unto life. John 6, verse 47. And so Jesus said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. This is going to last, last, and last. That's not just going to be a thousand years. It's an eternity. It's forever and ever and ever. Ever and ever. Galatians 6, verse 8. He says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh corruption. So it, that's the thing. People say, I can live any way that I want. Well, he went to heaven. He went to heaven. No, no, no. If you're going to sow all your, all your stuff, you're not. You're going to reap corruption. Scripture is scripture, folks. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I don't know all of it, but I know a lot of it. And I know this scripture. You're going to reap corruption if you sow to the Spirit. In other words, if you continue to live for Jesus, love Jesus, trust Jesus, you're going to reap everlasting life. It's not like, oh, I'm going to live for Jesus for five years. That'll be good enough. No, no, no. You live for Jesus the rest of your life. And you sow to the Spirit. In other words, you're living for Him. You, today you're here. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're in your Bibles. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're, you're, you're taking in spiritual things. By doing that, you reap. You, you, you sow to the Spirit. You reap. You get that reward. Amen? John 11, 25 and 26. So Lazarus, of course, Jesus coming to Lazarus. We know he raised Lazarus from the dead. But, folks, Lazarus eventually died again. <laughs> okay? Hallelujah. I'm thankful for resurrection of the dead. But everybody, including the healings, we've seen a lot of wonderful healings. But eventually, everybody's going to die. The healing only gives us some more time, if they don't know Jesus, to make their choice. If you do know Jesus, more time to live for him. 
Amen? I, I love that. Signs, wonders, healing. I love that. That's fine. But the ultimate thing is being whole, salvation. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. He that believes, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he might die in the natural, but he's going to live spiritually. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now, he's not talking about natural death. He's talking about that spiritual death. Amen? The second death. And, of course, he questioned, do you believe this? Because this was a higher thing than just Lazarus now. This was the eternal thing for everybody else listening. To convey these things for them. Amen. So, 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to close with this. Don't be ignorant, brethren. That's why he can say this. You shouldn't be ignorant. You can't say, well, I don't understand this stuff. Well, if you don't understand it, get in the book. I, I read this every day, and I'm always amazed at what God shows me. I'm always like, wow. I mean, it's almost like, I didn't know that. I see something new or whatever. You get blessed. You get encouraged. You get refreshed. Rhema words come to you to help you in your life. That's why you want to be in the book. Amen? You don't want to be ignorant. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant toward, toward the brethren, toward those that are Christian, that are asleep. In other words, those that have died. I don't want you to be ignorant. Jesus just referred to him as, as asleep. It's just a time right now until we're all joined together. All right? That you don't sorrow as others who have no hope. Well, what does it say to us? It's, well, it says you, as a Christian, you should have hope. We can cry. We can do all kinds of things. Well, folks, I have hope. So I'm going to miss people. I miss a lot of people. The ones that have just passed, I miss them and so forth. But on the other hand, I don't sorrow like I have no hope because I understand Scripture. Amen? Amen? The Scripture should encourage your heart. How do people... It's like, it's like Lee Grady posted online, a good Nigerian pastor friend, northern Nigeria, and the, and the Boko Haram had, had arrested him and so forth, tortured him and threw him in a pit. And then they said... You need to renounce this Jesus Christ. This was all on video. This was Lee's friend. He saw it. Sent it. You need to renounce this Jesus. Turn to Allah. Become one of us. Da, 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 da. Going through all those things. No. How can you renounce Jesus? Took three swings of the machete and took off his head. On live video. And he wouldn't renounce Jesus. Boom. He was with Jesus celebrating with Jesus and his testimony of that. People say, oh, he was martyred. Yeah, he was martyred. But out of that, seeds come and more people say, oh, our bishop, our brother, we're going to live for Jesus, you know, because we saw his example. How we live our life, folks, is so huge. And it gives us comfort to know truth. We have hope. We don't have no hope. We have hope. We believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, that the others that die in Jesus sleep is temporary. Sleep in Jesus. God will bring with him. And this we say by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord should not preserve, prevent them that are asleep. Go to the next verses then. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. This is the very end. Sound of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Amen? Amen. Shall be caught up with them. Those that, that we've known and so forth. To go on before us in Christ. Shall be caught up together with them. We shall meet the, Lord in the, uh, meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 
We shall be with the Lord together. Comfort one another with these words. So folks, escaping the second death is huge. And being born again, a second birth, is very important. As Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, let me just say this. Let me just say this. What do you do? You have family members who don't believe in Jesus. Just keep planting seeds. Some of my family, like I say, did not like me, spoke bad of me, and so forth. I had brothers that cussed at me. But now they've all changed. <laughs> Those brothers are still alive. But they were blind. And I, and I took some things personally, and the Lord said, why would you take that personally? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And to get the right revelation, I'd shake off the dust and then, and then go back again to plant seeds. Look for an opportunity to plant seeds. Look for a birthday. Look for an anniversary. Look for a family celebration. Look for opportunities to pray publicly in those things. I always look for opportunities to pray. I remember the, the big thing when my parents, I forget what wedding anniversary, was at the golf club and everybody's drinking and so forth and got their booze and stuff. And, and uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just there. And, and then there was an opportunity, you know, my mom kind of, she says, well, do you want to pray? Yes, I would. Thanks. I'll pray. So I said, well, we're going to eat, so I want to pray. Country club. So, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody's frozen with their drink. Prayed a blessing. Invoked the name of Jesus. Invoked the presence of the Lord. Guess what? He comes. It ruined a lot of their parties. That's okay. Ruined mine. When people talk to me about Jesus, I don't want to hear about that. I want to go have a good time. But then I, I can remember drinking, thinking, oh, why did they have to say those things? Think about that. Remember being called for the Alumni Association. They have alumni banquet every year to honor people at the university. And they called me and they said, well, Reverend, you're an alumni. Would you want to come and pray? And then they used the word, would you want to come and do the invocation? I said, yes, I'd love to. I've done this a few times, but not for a while now. But we sat at the table with the president of the university and so forth and all the niceties and the food. Of course, there's a happy hour ahead of time. Everybody's throwing down drinks because it's a free bar and all that. And then they said, well, someone can't be here because they're sick. So maybe you could mention that. And I said, well, maybe I could pray for their healing. They said, like a novel idea, like, okay, okay. So I'm going to get up and I said, I have the honor to do the invocation. So I said, thank you, Father. I invite Jesus to come and be in our midst. I'm invoking his presence. They all got a little bit more than they bargained for. But I wasn't. What, I wasn't mean. I was nice. And everybody's like, you know, what's, isn't it funny how most, you, a lot of people go to churches and they're, so we're going to pray today this prayer from page 89. You know, that someone wrote 6,000 years ago, whatever. And there's no life in it. There's life in Jesus. I mean, when we, I, I did pray for the alumni guy that was sick. I got back to the table and everybody's like, wow, thank you. <laughs> there's life in Jesus, folks. There's life in Jesus. There's life in the word. Reading it like it's alive. Saying it like it's alive. Talking like it's alive. Amen. Passion. Amen. You want to have some passion. Do you believe it or don't you believe it? 
Is there, is there everlasting life and everlasting punishment? What is it? What do you believe? You have to challenge yourself. If you believe the scripture as it is, then it should put some passion in you to think, I'm, I'm going to witness to my family. I'm going to share with my friends. Or I'm going to share with a coworker, or whatever. Or someone who's near death. It's always amazing. People don't want to talk about it. Why not talk about it? George, you're dying. <laughs> Might as well say it, right? You don't have long left. But for folks in the church here that have passed away, that lived for Jesus, there was a man who lived here that was in church for many years, Bruce Miller. And he went to the hospital in his last, his last hours. I was there many times, but his last hours, he had a breathing mask on, his kids were around him and so forth. It's hard for Bruce, Bruce to breathe, you know. You can see he's struggling to breathe. But he was still conscious. They were trying, trying to help him, you know. But Bruce took off this mask. <laughs> they were like, oh, no, don't take that off. You know, took off the mask. And I'm at the foot of his bed. And he said, thank you. Thank you for everything. Put his mask back on. A little bit later, went to be with Jesus. He was thankful for everything. Made an impact on all of his family. Many, many students that he tutored and so forth in physics because of his faith in Christ. Let's lift up our hands. I know I've gone a little long, but let's lift up our hands. This is important. Father, thank you. I pray everybody hearing this right now, Lord, would be stirred in their hearts about eternity. Stirred in their hearts about life. Stirred in their hearts about believing in you, Lord Jesus. I pray everybody listening here on Facebook Live, on the Internet, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving supernaturally. Moving supernaturally. And I pray, Lord, even people who maybe are in the valley of decision, that they would make a choice for life. Even today, Jesus, that they would choose you. That's all you have to do is say, Lord, I choose you. My prayer was pretty short in the bar, but you're just making a choice to serve Jesus. Go away from the direction you were going. Go toward Jesus Christ and surrender your life. Just say, I surrender to you, Jesus. Put my trust in you, Jesus. I'm going to live for you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to follow you, Lord God. When we do that, there's something that clicks inside of us. And Father, I thank you for this today. I thank you for revelation knowledge, and I thank you for... Holy Spirit, just bringing new life, new life into our our lives, but also everybody that hears, Lord. And Lord, just using us to be a witness for you around this region in which we live. Father, thank you for this. I thank you for your blessing here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In this day, it's so easy to communicate. I still have a letter I sent to my parents from the Philippine Islands in 1975 when I was there. But now you can text. Now you can send an email or you can do all snap. You can do all kinds of things. Saying, just want you to know Jesus loves you. Just want you to know Jesus loves you. Just keep putting that out there. Amen. I throw as much seed out there as possible. Amen. All right. Bless you. Amen. We'll see you tonight. Go be a good night. Invite your friends. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. 
We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.